I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. Love Letters is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who save with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. It's so nice to be here with you, Erin. The Erin from season two of the podcast. It's nice to be back, Merida. So we're here at Banyan Bar, which is in the south end of Boston. It's a wonderful restaurant that I think is amazing for dates, I have to say. Um, it's also amazing for frosé, which we both have at the moment, right? And technically, we're day drinking. We are day drinking is, on a Tuesday. Ha, who does it on a Tuesday? We do it on a Tuesday. Right. Um, so shall we toast to a live two-person broadcast of Love Letters catch-up, Aaron and Meredith? Yes. From the Boston Globe and PRX, this is Love Letters. I'm Meredith Goldstein. We're back today with a special bonus episode of Love Letters, featuring a very special guest, our friend Erin, who so graciously allowed us to chronicle her dating life on the podcast a couple years ago. If Erin is a new voice to you, go back and listen to season two for the backstory. A few weeks ago, Erin and I sat down for a drink together. It was so great to see her in person. I wanted to check in on her dating life since we'd last heard from her on the podcast. She's one of the bravest daters I know. And I had a feeling she'd have some pretty excellent reflections for us as Hot Girl Summer, or what was supposed to be Hot Girl Summer, comes to a close. I was not disappointed. I hope you enjoy our conversation. This is not the first time I've seen you during, you know, since during whatever we're in right now. But um, we took a lovely walk in a cemetery. Uh, and all year and a half, I've been watching incredible videos of you roller skating. Yes. I got to, I found a pandemic parking lot near my house. I call it the pandemic parking lot and I would just go after work, um, and roller skate in circles and it made me feel really good. Um, and that's, that's how I sort of dealt with, uh, the mundaneness of pandemic. All right. Well, I want to start from the beginning because last we left you. It was the end of season two. We followed you through some good dates, some bad dates, some no dates, some taking of classes that led to more no dates. Um, you were truly taking one for the team as a woman in her 40s in Boston, showing us how difficult, fruitless, but sometimes fruitful it can be to seek out a partner. And at the end of that season, you had started dating someone who we called Art Dad because he did art. 
Yeah, it's so funny because I just remembered how I ran into Art Dad at uh, the very beginning of 2020, right before the pandemic. Right before the pandemic. But what, for those who don't know, if you didn't listen to the live recording that we did for season two, Erin um, did tell everyone that at that point during that recording, she was no longer seeing Art Dad. And um, so it was a relationship that was lovely but did not last. Um, I believe you said it just wasn't really there in the ways that it needed to be there. Yeah. And we broke up the morning of the live show. Yeah. Like she literally drove in to record the live show and was like, I just ended things with our dad and was incredibly graceful about being respectful, talking about it, knowing that he might be listening. And, and then at the beginning of 2020, you got in touch with me to tell me you like randomly ran into him in Boston, which is not that hard in Boston because it's like a pretty small place. But it's weird because he lives in the North Shore and I was at a show in Cambridge and it was like a bunch of one was like a, this great Madonna cover band. It was in Jan- January and he walked in the door and I told Meredith like he just gotten a haircut and looked really cute. And Meredith said, I bet he's really glad he got that haircut. <laughs> right. Well, I, and I, I think I also asked you like knowing that he looked good and that you were like psyched to see him. And I was like, do you have any regrets about ending it? And you were so classy about it. I remember you saying like, I don't regret ending it, but I'm so happy for him looking good and doing the town. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I still feel kind of bad about how things ended because um, it was kind of clunky, but I, I don't think there's ever a really great breakup, but he was just concerned that he didn't want it to be sort of exploited on the podcast because he knew it was going to be the live day. And I said, you know, I'm not going to, I wouldn't do that anyway. So let's set the scene. Lockdown starts. Um, the world gets weird in 2020. Where was Aaron from the podcast when that happened? Single dating? I was dating casually. So, um, which I, yeah. So I decided at the beginning of 2020 that Finding a relationship was still really hard, so I but I still wanted to go out, so I decided I would just date casually. So I was dating a few people casually, and then lockdown happened, and um, I had two roommates, and we all had to consider each other's well-being, and so I decided I had to end those casual relationships, which wasn't a huge problem. But um, so I was just in quarantine and in pandemic, working from home. And being single mostly and or being single for sure. You know, mostly. one of the most common questions I got before the pandemic from people for the column was about dating fatigue and being so exhausted, which is something we talked about a lot during the season you were on, just that feeling that you always have to be swiping. And if you're not swiping, you might miss somebody. But if you are swiping, it can be terrible and you're tired. And did having that sort of order, stay home, don't date, was that at all, I don't know, like recharging? Yeah. It was recharging, not just with dating, but within my life. It gave me this permission to really slow down and to really, cause I was like, Oh, well I can't meet new people and I can't run around making plans, being exhausted all the time. Now I have to slow down. Okay. But so fast forward to 2021 vaccines were on the horizon and you were one of the first people I saw after having one vaccine. And I believe you had had one because you were J and J and I was, I was a Pfizer girl. Um, I like to sing that new kid song. Oh, oh, she's my (laughs) Pfizer girl. It kind of works with anyway. So you looked at me and you were like, this is the summer. Yes. This is the summer. And of course, like hot girl summer was already had already been announced as a concept. So 
we started getting some warmth here in Boston. Tell tell me what the plan was at that point. Yeah. So I was I got vaccinated in April and I'd made a decision that as soon as I got vaccinated, I was going to get back online because I was like, I want to go out. I want to experience new things. I and I think I believe you might have wanted to have sexual relations. I wanted to have some sexual relations. <laughs> <laughs> you're being so you're like, I wanted to experience I a new Sorry, hobby. I'm I wanted to, to knit. Like, I'm trying to forget. I'm trying to remember that I'm 47 and I don't live in my under my you know parents' no. guise because they can't even find the podcast unless oh, I send okay. it to them. I wanted to have some sexual relations. I wanted to meet new people. I wanted to maybe have hot girl summer, even though I'm mostly tired girl and I, I feel like I'm a little too old for hot girl summer, but then I remember like anyone can have hot girl summer even yeah there, there are no boundaries it's yeah. non-binary summer i should yeah. say but um yes so uh, and and i believed you i mean i was like this person has the energy and the drive so <laughs> how did you start what were the because when we swiped for you we were on ok cupid what were the apps that you used just tinder just oh yeah and we know down to it right tinder we all know is a hotbed of confusion and of, it's it's primarily the, the hookup app that's what it was created I, mean, I know for. people who got married after meeting on Tinder, so who so knows So do anymore? I. And as people know who've been on apps, there's a dating cycle. There's an app dating cycle that someone on TikTok illustrated recently. And it's, you get online and you're really excited because it feels brand new. And you get a lot of interest and you have some conversations and then conversations start drifting and then people start ghosting and then it's really hard to like actually meet someone in person so I feel like in the past it hasn't been as hard to meet someone in person and this time around it is and it's not for fear of COVID it's just people can't get out of their own way it seems like I would have thought that people would have been like oh my god I finally can meet someone in person that's what I thought I thought I was going to be encountering these men who had done a lot of soul searching during a global pandemic and realized they wanted to meet people and realized they wanted to expand their horizons. But it was the same shit, sadly. But in the beginning, I was impressed that you had a bunch of dates and that, well, I guess this is a good time to unveil the spreadsheet. So talk to me when you are actively updating and you have multiple conversations going perhaps at once and you're trying to remember stuff sometimes it helps a girl to have a spreadsheet so So i would i would not have done the spreadsheet but we were having coffee with our friend kumar and he said i can't keep track of all these people will you please create a google sheets for us and share it and i said yes i will so i created a google spreadsheet (laughs) and the tab of active of people I was actively talking to or had met, I called like current guys. And the guys that I had met and had ghosted me or had been talking to but never met because they wasn't going to work out, I, I titled that tab dead to me. <laughs> and so... But there would be these great notes of just like, um, you know, person, occupation, pool boy, occup- you know, notes. It was really an organized, beautiful thing. Yeah, I put their age, their location, their profession, and then details about them, about the conversation, about the dates. One of the things I remember you telling me, and this would have been probably, what, May, June, um, when you had a lot of these initial dates after, after the vaccination, um, was that 
you were getting a lot of attention from younger men, which I think has always been the case for you. Yes. I mean, in these apps, you put down what age range you want to look at. And, and um, I put a pretty wide age range. Like, So I'm 47 and I would put mid 30s. But then I started doing like 30 and up, which I know sounds really young, but they were interested. And I, I don't know if it's that whole, and I don't, I, I don't want to categorize everybody as being the same, but like, I don't, a lot of these dudes that I met were, that were in their early thirties seemed to know what they wanted, not just sexually, but like they knew what they wanted in life, but they were also still working on things. So, but it was fun. Like I had this one guy I went out with who I still am friends with and nothing ever happened romantically, but he actually planned a proper date he made reservations for more than one place. I want you to talk about this date because yes. I couldn't decide whether this was romantic, exciting, or totally exhausting as a concept. So it could have been exhausting after coming out of quarantine. Doing one thing is exhausting, but it was actually great because it was a Sunday afternoon. It was in the seaport area and it was places I had never been because I sort of avoid the seaport because to me, I'm like, that's not for me. Like I'm too old for that but it was great because I discovered he introduced me to like a roof deck bar and we had delicious cocktails and I had a $17 Mai Tai and it was delicious wait did you pay for your own $17 so Mai Tai he had been paying for everything else so I said let me get the let me cover these cocktails and these delicious apps and then um, we walked um, a little bit away from there and went to this place for dinner um, and it was great actually I was just really um delighted that someone had actively thought about it and made plans. And even though there was ro no romance, I had a really nice time with him because he's just an interesting person. So take me, fast forward me another month, because I feel like your mood at the start of this hot girl summer situation, hot air and summer, changed a bit, even after a few weeks, right? That there's this, in terms of the cycle of dating, it's like, oh my gosh, it's been a year and a half. I'm back out there. I'm allowed to be back out there. I feel like I can be out the, back out there safely. And then... And then what happens? Um, I guess the old fatigue set in. And it, so it's initially fa fatigue and frustration because I'm eager to meet people even for a cup of coffee. It doesn't have to be anything complicated. And I'm, they would say, let's meet up. And I would say, great, I'm available on Friday or Sunday afternoon. And then nothing. And so I discovered like maybe I tried to change my approach where I would say, I'm interested in meeting up. If they had sort of, exp I, I tried to change my approach to let them drive the date. I tried to step back because I tend to be pretty forward and pretty direct. And so I tried to be less direct and to make them seem like they had the power because I felt like, am I taking the power away from them by being too forward? Well, I also have to wonder, like one issue that I feel like I'm still having is I was so used to it being okay to not do anything. Like it was preferred not to do anything. It was responsible. And now I'm like, I don't remember having the energy to do five things at the same time in the same day in the way that I used to, right? I would go to work, maybe get drink with a friend, you know, next step, next step. And now I'll see one friend for lunch and it's great, but I'm like, whew, look, yeah. look at all the socializing I did. So I think for a lot of people, they're trying to date, but they're also like seeing their parents and, you know, going to work maybe in an office for the first time in months. And they're, they have all of these high hopes, but they're also exhausted. Yeah. One thing I wondered from my perspective, just 
answering the column, one thing I hoped was that some of those mid-level steps for dating, like whether it's a FaceTime or a Zoom, could continue, even though we can meet in person. Like, how would you have felt if any of those guys had been like, actually, I'm so booked this week. Do you want to have like a Zoom on Thursday night? And like, are you interested in keeping some of those um, steps that don't require a tea ride and yes. a check to pay and and all that? Because I do feel like that made dating much more accessible for me, even emotionally, because I didn't have to think about all of the logistics. Yes, I totally agree that I think those steps should stay. Um, and also for safety reasons, too. I was talking to someone from Tinder recently, and he actually said, oh, I, I want to have a, a Zoom meeting first. I do that with everybody. And I really respected that because I was like, oh, here's a guy understanding that navigating dating is weird. I mean, I have to say that I think I'm way better at Zoom dating than any other kind of dating. It was, No, I think it's a great approach because people and especially women I see out in, you know, social media invest a lot of time and energy into getting ready for these dates. And I feel really bad because then they go and the date's really disappointing because we, you know, we get really excited. And so I really like the Zoom approach because that way you're not invest, you're not investing the time and the energy you're just sort of getting to know somebody. And so it makes it a little less painful if it's not going to work out. So how would you characterize your more recent dating experiences? And just for the record, we're recording this um, at the very end of July. So a little bit of time in between. But um, where, where, where are you now? So um, I've deleted Tinder about 75 times from my phone, but it's back on my phone again because... You know, it's still summertime, so I still want to go out. Um, so I am supposed to have a date, a first date tomorrow with someone. Um, my dates I try to set up to still be simple meetings if we are meeting in person to be like an hour to two hours. Two hours is a lot, but because it, it is exhausting. Traffic is back to its normal Boston heavy, heavy traffic. And so I have to navigate traffic and logistics. And so it's exhausting. So, so I've been a couple people I've established relationships with, but are still on a casual level. One more complicated. Uh, tell us. Tell <laughs> okay. us. No, I know. Now I'm just, being no, I mean, I'll tell the story. Tell the story. Tell Cause the story. I don't say anyone's names, but I was just telling girlfriends about it um, this weekend. And we were trying to think of a code name for this person like I do. Well, tell like the story and then we can come up with the code name. Well, he's from Maryland, so I was going to call him Maryland. From my, from my home from state. From your home state. Um, so we can call him Old Bay. Old Bay sounds great. Okay. My friends wanted to call him Chesapeake Charlie. Oh, wait, that's better. Chesapeake Charlie is... I thought I was a little too campy, but I do enjoy camp. I love so camp. <laughs> I do too. So I'm like, okay, guys, so we'll just call him Chesapeake Charlie. Yeah. We'll be back with Aaron and Chesapeake Charlie after a quick break. Okay, we're back. So, Aaron had met Chesapeake Charlie on Tinder. 
he was very clear up front. I live in Maryland. I travel every week for work because of my job. Um, but I am located in Maryland, but I never want to, I'm not a person that wants monogamy in my life anymore. I've already had that. I have children, so I don't want that in my life. And so being, you know, having, I, I, when I approach dating, I of course would like a partner as everyone knows from very second season, but I also know that I want it a lot. You have to date a lot of people to find a partner, um, or, you know, you're set up with one. But I, for me, it's a dating a lot of people. So I said, well, I really enjoy his company. Um, I'm just going to... And we got to... We met out for dinner. We would meet whenever he was in town. But it became pretty consistent. Like, how, how often were you seeing him? So I would see him um, if he was in... He was probably in town once or twice a month for a week's time. So I'd see him a couple times that week. Okay. it's a lot. Um it was a lot, but it was also, but it was, it was like daily texting. And then he invited me to go to Richmond, Virginia with him. And I had said to myself, once I got vaccinated, I think I was leaving the appointment of getting the shot and said, if any weird opportunities come up this summer, I want to take them. So I got invited to go to Richmond, which is a city I'd never considered. My friend lives there, which I had forgotten about until because this vacation it's not a vacation I worked from there but like this trip came about in under a week at at the end of the day and so we went I stayed with him he flew me down I mean he paid for the flight and it was a wonderful week but I only saw him like three hours out of the day because he worked so much and how many days so I was there from a Monday to a Thursday that's like a lot of time with someone who's not like in your life well that's the thing like I'm not the kind of person that travels with a guy. I've been single for, uh, I, I messaged my doctor and said, I need a little Valium because I don't share sleeping space with people. I am a single person. I don't travel. Well, plus, I don't travel well. So flying, I need a little Valium. But it seems more significant. He actually presented to me as, hey, it's a new, it's a different city. It's a different Zoom background. It's a different kind of, and I said, yeah, I'm going to do it. And so he would work from basic, he would be gone for basically 12 hours of the day. So I would work from the hotel and then go out and explore the city or go out with one of my friends, with the friend that lives there. And she showed me the city. And it's an awesome city. There's a ton of art there. I went to your favorite bookstore. Yeah, one of my fountain bookstore in Richmond. Love it. And so then he would get back from his day of work around dinner time, and we would go out like a couple. So it was like playing couple, you know, and he's he would like hold my hand and he'd pay for everything, which is like lovely because I'm used to like just, you know, footing the bill myself. So it was like playing a couple. So I understood like this could be messy and complicated, but I enjoyed it. I said, I'm just going to enjoy it for face value. How, how long ago was this? This was about a month ago. So I know that he was very upfront about maybe not wanting monogamy and that's this kind of thing. Were you thinking like as this progressed, like, oh, well, maybe this could be something more exclusive? I wasn't because I really felt like he was clear about not wanting to be tied to one person. But how, I mean, listen, I'm all for open relationships and, and, and being honest about that kind of thing. But were you concerned about how to set limitations? I wasn't because I felt like I was uh, just... we were just dating 
And I knew that he would never be partner material just because of the way that he traveled weekly for his job. He's just, he's someone that doesn't want to be tied. So he told me he's someone who doesn't have a set relationship. He'd already been married and divorced. He was never (coughs) faithful to his wife. So it was like, I approached it being like, there's a lot of things about him that I don't love, but this is just for the summer and it's fun. And so I would try not to invest too much thought or feelings into it. So then what happened after the trip? <laughs> um, I get a text on a Sunday night. I, it was like 10 o'clock on a Sunday night. I was settling into my evening ritual of TikTok and trying to fall asleep. And I get this long text from him and I had to sit back and read it about 25 times. And I sent a screenshot to Meredith because I was like, I need help processing it. Meanwhile, I was like, what? Like when when I read it, I was like, there is nothing. I had to read it like a hundred times. And I don't, yeah. Yeah. And I don't talk to Meredith a a ton, but like I sent it out of the blue and I was like, I just need someone to process this who knows me and sort of knows my history with relationships. I mean, I wanted to frame it a little bit as like a text that truly stump me in terms of it's because already you're you're oh, I mean we can say why don't you give everybody the gist of oh, the okay so the text says um because so he was supposed to be coming to Massachusetts that week and so we were going to be getting together so I assumed it was a sort of a planning text or something and it said I just want to give you in all the information so you you have all I wanted to tell you some things so you have all the information going into this week I have a girlfriend and we own a house together. Yeah, not not the non-ethical non-monogamy that you thought you were taking part in. I mean, without being too specific so that no one is identifiable, I, I got the sense that he was basically saying, I have a girlfriend. We own a home together. There is an openness to our relationship, but I am supposed to tell her when yes. I meet someone like you. And yes. I have not told her. Yes. And I do not intend to tell her. Yes. And also, I didn't think it was going to be a big deal because I thought we were going to be casual and now I keep seeing you. And then it was sort of like a sorry for the confusion and hope that's cool. And I like spending time with you. And I was like, um, go fuck yourself. I mean, well, I didn't. This was the text you received. So I could not say go fuck yourself. But I believe the spirit to which I texted you back was he can go fuck himself. So I don't know. But like, to me, it's like, great, if you want to have an open relationship and see other people. And but the idea that he was like, I have that and have not told my partner and nor did I tell you that I am actually committed to someone. I told you the exact opposite. I can't remember what you did. So I did nothing for three days because I the other nice thing about living through easily living through a pandemic is that you have a lot of time to slow down. And I realized like I'm allowed, I allow myself now to slow down and really process things instead of feeling like I'm required to answer a text right away. So I finally reached out to him three days later and said, basically, if you're in a polyamorous relationship, you're supposed to tell people up front. And so I didn't sign up for that. So you didn't respect you didn't respect me to give me all the information when I first met you so I could make my own decision. What did he say? There was a lot of back and forth. I was really mad, as you can imagine. Um, even though like I was 
I understood it was casual, but I still feel like you even common human decency, you're supposed to tell people what the truth is. Right. And being casual doesn't entitle you to be a liar. Exactly. So I was like, you're a liar. I don't want to see you. I don't want to be your friend. I don't know what you want from me. And I think he's the kind of person that really likes to live in a messy situation. And that's not how I want to live my life. Like, um, plus I feel bad that she doesn't know about me. I don't want to be that way to another woman. You know, I, I want to respect everybody in the situation. I'm sorry. I'm glad you got to see that independent bookstore in Richmond, though. Well, that's the thing. Like, I don't re- I don't regret the Richmond trip because it was wonderful for me. Like I, it, the time I spent with him is kind of neither here nor there because I just made it a great trip for myself and got to see a friend and got to see a lot of art. You mentioned that one of the ways you've changed during this is like giving yourself time to respond, right? That before it's like the immediate response. And now it's like, OK, I actually am allowed to have time to process. And I, I see in myself, not just in relationships and last episode we talked about how night and day I've been about even being open to things but like even trying to be better to myself about um it's okay if I don't want to do something or it's okay if I do want to do something and I think I spent a lot of the pandemic being like well when things get back to normal I'll be xyz and I'm starting to realize that there's no getting back to normal there's only after this right and the only not to be a super towner but the only thing I can compare it to was when my mom died because it's not like this for everybody when they lose a parent but for me you know the different losses affect different people different ways but for me there was no back to normal with that there was only oh this monumental thing happened So now I'm just different and I'll figure out what that means. And I'm sure that will continue to happen in my life with different things, both good and bad. Right. And so I'm still trying to figure out like what it is. And I think there was a big fear that I was making choices based on the pandemic. Right. Like, um, well, what if what if my whole you know, I said last episode, like what if my whole I want my heart to be open and all these things. What if that returns to normal normal quote-unquote normal and I and I this is normal whatever this is and like when we first met you you were talking about how to partner and if it was possible and how to set up your life and I just feel like the last few times we've talked off podcast like just as people who know each other you seem to be talking about your life like really holistically like where do I want to live like what do I want to do and partnership is certainly a part of that but it's not even in your like even now at 47, they're like, wherever I go, there I am, no matter what and who joins me. Like, I don't know. There was something different about the way you've been talking about it, about pursuing those things without waiting um, with or without a relationship. That was a long rant where I just psychoanalyzed you, but no, am I, I like right? it. You I, do? You yeah, do? Yeah, I'm into okay. it. I think I realized um, with being in my rental apartment, for a full solid, I mean, I've been there now five years and, but being in there 24 hours a day through the pandemic, I was like, this space is still temporary and I can't, I don't want to continue to live with a temporary mindset. I finally became ready. And then my job is finally secure for the first time in a really long time. Um, I've been there a year and a half and I was able to save some money and feel like I had some stability in my life And I decided that I wanted to try to buy something like a condo or something just that's mine. And I never had felt that way before. And I'd never been financially at that point. But because 
we got some of the stimulus money. And because I got a bonus at work, I was able to save a little bit of money. And so then I finally felt like now I want to have a space of my own. I'm ready to do that. And I'm going to do it because I'm not going to wait. I know we were also talking about family and like actually spending, being able to spend more time with your parents and being able to see them safely this year. I don't know. It seemed to take on a different meaning. I mean, I think about getting calls from you during season two where you're like at, at your family's house being like, I am single and in my family's house and it is Thanksgiving and I'm going to throw the phone at the wall. And like, I don't know, there was just this year, like whenever you would like post from there or text from there, there was like a gratitude that it was there. Yeah. There's, there was a shift with, with, I, I was super grateful that my parents were sensible and safe and close by I always valued it, but I could really see how how lucky I was. I realized um, through working with a realtor that I could. He said, "If you have the opportunity to move home and you know squirrel away more money, and then we can look in the winter time, we should do that." And so my mom had mentioned it, having me move home, and I was like, "That's crazy." Forty seven, living at home with her parents, but then because I had seen so many people doing it, I was like, "I think that's a good idea." In a month, I'm going to be leaving the apartment I've been at for five years in Arlington. My other roommates have moved out, one with a partner. The other one bought a condo. And I'll be living in New Hampshire, um, which offers a whole new dating pool. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about... Well, you know, you had gone home to New Hampshire that one year. And I remember I pictured you meeting somebody at your like a high school, re- a high school bar I had dreamed up, a fictional high school bar in a rom-com that didn't exist. But I do feel like being in different places and seeing yourself with different Zoom backgrounds, as we might say now, I don't know, can be helpful. Yeah. Um, I, I did spend like, when I was home, I did go home for a two week span last year around Thanksgiving, mostly just to get out of my apartment. It was really good. Um, you know, my parents gave me the space I needed. They respected the fact that I was home working. And so when I move home too, I'm not totally sure if I'm going to keep dating or if I'm just going to wait till I get through that period of time. My dad said, this will be a great transition time for you. And I, I was like, oh, that's a good way to think about it. I love that. I want to talk about what happens next in your brain, but you sent me the best text two days ago, two days ago. And it just said, I think I just had to meet cute in a graveyard. And I was like, do not text me anymore. We will talk about this in the episode. So can you tell me the story for the first time now? Because I love a graveyard. Meet yes. cute. I said, Meredith, I just had a meet cute in the graveyard. And she said, this is podcast material. Right. I was like, stop talking. Save it. Save the good so stuff. So I was at the a graveyard in Arlington last Thursday. Uh, my elderly aunt passed away. Oh, my God. You were legit. Gra- I thought you were like taking a walk at like some. No, I have been known to take walks in cemeteries. Because we went. I was at a funeral. <laughs> you were legit. You had a meet cute at a legit funeral. I was early for the funeral. Um And I couldn't find the plot because graveyards are confusing if you've never tried to navigate a graveyard. And I was just trying to find a human to point me in the right direction. So I spotted a a guy in a giant white Escalade. Okay. So in my brain, I was like, he'll know what to do. Because of his giant car? I just thought, 
this is a person that will tell me the information I need. Did you think it was a hearse? No, it wasn't a hearse. Okay. So there he, he's there, and then there's this dog running running around. So I was like, oh, he's... He, so I said, hey, you know, I rolled down my window. Do you know, do you know this graveyard? Do you know your way around this graveyard? Or something? I was basically like, do you come know... Here, come here often, Do you come sir? here often? Do you know how things work? <laughs> sorry, I shouldn't be laughing. You've lost it a family was, member, and I'm sorry Well, I think I was just like... It was hot out. I think I was a little like flustered. So we both get out of our car and we're trying to find, and I'm like, oh, you don't work here. You're just here. He's like, oh, I'm here because my dog loves to just come and run around. He goes, my grandmother's buried here. And the thing is, my grandmother's buried there. And I've never known where her oh plot God, was. Same now I know. Samesies. I know. Who's going to write the book, Meredith? I'm I will. At you. I will. I'm looking at you. So... I noticed, like, this guy's kind of handsome, and he has cool Wait, tattoos. Wait, cast him in a movie. What's the actor? Oh, see, that's the thing. I can't quite remember what he looks like. I just remembered he seemed handsome, and he had great tattoos. Oh, well, for you. For me. And so then I, he said, oh, do you live in Arlington? I said, I live in Arlington. He goes, oh, I just moved back here with my parents. I'm saving up money <gasps> to buy a home. And I said doing the same thing, but I'm moving to New Hampshire. And he said, I'm trying to buy New Hampshire. I'm getting the chills. So we're just chatting. And then I see my folks pulling up and I said, oh, I see my folks. I think I see where we're supposed to be. And I just walk off through the... Wait, did you... I just walked away because I was real excited, but I was also like, I'm here for a funeral. Yeah, but... business. But life is happening. I know. (laughs) Wait a minute. But he goes, wait, can you go back there and just sit there and wait for that dog? That's my plan. So I will walk with you there. I will totally, we can spend our whole fall on I Thursday mornings just visiting graves. Morning, I'm going to go to Starbucks and then I'm going to go scope out the cemetery. <laughs> That's so goth if you wind up with this guy. I know. Now, like last year, but now, especially with weird news happening, there's that feeling of, oh God, do I have to quick speed this up to meet somebody again? Like I, I sense a, in the, even in the letter writers, like a, and I'm on a deadline in a way that I had hoped would be the opposite in a way that I hoped people would be like, I-, I can really take my time because who knows what's what. So the thing that I remember is the flu of 1918 and we made it out of that as a society. Yeah. And so I feel that I understand the need to like for people who want to partner to partner up quickly because they feel that they're going to be lonely during another lockdown. I don't know. I'm, I kind of take things day by day right now. I think that's kind of helped me get through things, keeping my sanity. But I, I also think there's nothing wrong with meeting someone. You get along okay, and it looks like we're going to have another lockdown, partnering up with them and just because then maybe it'll work. And if it's terrible, you just send them away <laughs> to their send, apartment. Send them away. <laughs> send them away. I like that. Hearing you talk about condo stuff about parent stuff about graveyard stuff it it makes me feel pretty hopeful thank you for updating us and until next time at the graveyard that and that that shouldn't have sounded as ominous as it is it's meant to be uplifting
Love Letters is a production of the Boston Globe and PRX. Today's episode was produced by Caitlin Harrop and Scott Hellman. Ned Porter does our audio mixing, sound design, and mastering. Devin Smith does our audience engagement. Love Letters illustrations by Ashanti Davis. Check them out on the Love Letters Instagram. Special thanks to Brian McGrory and Linda Henry. Our music is from APM. And if you like the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Love Letters is also an advice column, so send your love and relationship questions to loveletters at boston.com or online at loveletters.show. Wasn't it Mary Shelley who lost her virginity on a grave? Oh, I think so. It's too late for me on that one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Meredith Goldstein. Thanks for listening.